This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Usually every time he finished a song, he'd get on a payphone wherever he was in the country and call me and wake me up. And so, like, he'd lay the phone down and start playing his guitar, you know? And that's how I heard this song the first time. I always thought this was a real pretty one. It's called uh, My Old Man. Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOwnManSaid.com. And joining me for what is, it's a podcast about winners, playoff winners. And uh, to be on this podcast, we, and we've had requests, about 20 requests to be on this podcast this week. And so we decided to put up criteria and only people who have actually won things can uh, actually <laughs> come come on as a guest so uh so max stokes uh Hello. to con- to continue talking have you actually won anything um in your life? i have in as your... it happens at the Ooh. football blogging awards ah. best yeah, new content creator ah. oh well, that takes me back when i was a young lad <laughs> winning winning the same award i think i won the first one which is i think pretty much the same one it was uh best new blog yeah you're filling big big shoes I know there's a lot of expectation on me here, but yeah, it's really good. But it's all about winning. Yeah, I'm a winner now. Love it. Anything else? Have you won anything else recently? Well, as it happens, I've recently become the uh, the biggest Aston Villa YouTube channel. So uh, oh if God. you can count that as a trophy, I'll take it. That's you're in. You're Two in. You're in. Security. He's he's all right. He can he can stay on the show. Uh, Chris <laughs> Chris Bird, have you ever won anything? I won Mentor of the Year award at my uh, old university. When was that? Uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that will do. It's a, it's a win. Did you get a trophy? 
Even worse, I got a certificate. Oh, did you get yeah. a certificate, Max? I, I got a certificate for that uh, football blogging award. I got a trophy, a nice glass trophy. Yeah, the first one, I think they just had certificates. And then I, two years later, I, I won, was it Best Established Blog? And I got a glass trophy for that as well. Yeah, I'd be a bit annoyed if I just got a certificate going all that way. But no, the trophy's not. Yeah, pat on the back. It's, uh, it's It makes a good paperweight anyway. <laughs> But no, good things. Good week for you, actually. And uh, topped off by a, uh, a win that... Uh, and, a, and a killer comeback. Yeah, a win that initially uh, didn't look uh, like it was actually going to reveal itself. Let's, I mean, let's just start uh, on the build-up of the game. I mean, first of all, uh, finally, I wish Dan Rogers was here because I knew he was obsessed with that giant flag, the big We Are Villa lion flag. I mean, I've got, I've got to admit, I, I was uh, running a bit bit late so i didn't get the whole uh before the game atmos i'd been to london the, the night before came back on the last train so I, I didn't have much sleep got there like literally five minutes to go but i managed to uh the, see the big ass flag and the the fire and everything what how, how were you feeling in the, in the build-up and uh was you impressed by the flag do you know what i wasn't i wasn't too nervous to be fair until i actually got to the ground and then i got in there and you can you can just sense it can't you but yeah, yeah I, I really liked it and the flag as well I was speaking to someone behind me and I turn around and there's, there's this massive flag and I was like I, I remember uh, last year it was Middlesbrough at home you've seen it up there like, everyone's turning to each other like what's this but no nah, it was it was really good like seeing it from the North Stand's perspective I've seen pictures of it it's, it's fantastic yeah. and the fireworks as well they, they were good because last year uh, against Middlesbrough in the test run it got stuck so they had to bench it because obviously it's uh, the game's live on Sky. So uh, there's nothing more pony than uh, trying to roll down a flag and it gets stuck halfway. Now with the internet, social media, there'll be so many uh, jokes and memes about uh, Villa not being able to unfurl their flag. Yeah, I think they uh, they sacked off the technology, didn't they, and just went for br- brute manpower up on the balcony. Yeah, they had loads the of t- men the big up there, team of people like. With ropes, but the best thing is when Villa scored the equaliser, those guys up there were like going crazy, celebrating. <laughs> it was quite, <laughs> quite, quite funny. Right, let's get into this uh, team selection. Now, on the last podcast, uh, we were talking. I mean, there was two obvious choices that Smith had to make. Basically, most of the team pretty much picked itself. So it was essentially Courtney Horst. Taylor, I think Taylor always was going to get that just because he's the one who's obviously been playing and uh, Courtney House has only just come in. But the main one was uh, Green or Odomar and then Whelan or Horahan. And I think on the podcast we thought we'd, we'd start with Horahan for the home game and then you're thinking about Whelan more for the Hawthorns. And Green and Odomar, I, it was kind of like, you know, he, he tends to swap them in and out anyway in game as well. So that didn't really matter. I mean, what, what was your thoughts on the actual selection uh initially chris um when i sort of you know saw the initial team sheet I, it kind of looked about right i thought i didn't i didn't think he'd go too sort of gung ho i kind of thought he would probably start with a doma just to be a little bit more not necessarily defensively minded but give him a bit more of a solid partner for el mohammadi i thought Whelan would would start in the end to be honest I mean, the, the 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 positive thing, and it was sort of proven right, was I looked down the the substitutes list, and you thought, yeah, man, we've you know obviously we're in a, you know we're at full strength for pretty much the first time this season, and you you look yeah. there and think, well, we had a bit of pace, a bit of power, a bit of guile, and probably people who could influence the game in every position, which is you know was so important, and well, as was proven at full time, 
was kind of pivotal in the end, that the subs changed the game. Was you happy yeah. with Whelan, uh, Ava Hurahan to start off with, Max? Yeah, I, I said I probably would have gone with Whelan in hindsight. To be fair, if, if Horahan had started, he wouldn't have come on and made such a big impact in the way that he did. But yeah. I, th- I think I would have started green. Uh, I, I, for me, I've never been the biggest fan of a dome. I, d- I don't know what he offers. People say he offers you know, the work rate going back, but that's not his main job. His main job is to be a threat going forward. And he, he, for me, he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't run at people. He's, he, in yeah. the past, he's looked like he's had pace, but it doesn't look like his pace is there anymore. He's, he's not powerful. I just don't see it. But Green, when he came on, he did, he did a bit. He, he's got that injection of pace. But yeah, that right wing spot is the one for me where it's, it's a little bit worrying. But in central midfield, the Horahan Wheeland thing, I think it was fair enough to start Whelan, but Horahan coming on, what an impact. I mean, there's two ways of uh, thinking about this. One is, uh, I mean, it's it's a strange one because in that first half, I thought the baggies were pretty much pitch perfect, I think was what I said on Twitter, in what they were trying to do. And, that, you know, they were solid, they were disciplined, and Villa didn't seem to... They seemed to be a bit one-paced in how they were trying to break down the baggies. And I was thinking, well, Whelan's not really injecting anything. But also, not you know, it wasn't Whelan's fault, though. There was seemed to be a lack of movement. And because of that lack of movement, you've got Grealish obviously playing the ball back to Whelan after he's just received it from Whelan, which I think caught uh, Whelan flat-footed. And they, they seemed to struggle. And, you know, Domar wasn't really, didn't have the pace to uh, kind of beat anybody or, you know, try to move move that back five and uh, try to you know create any channels or anything to uh, get behind them and you were just thinking is this the wrong starting formation here because uh Whelan might make more sense when the other team's actually coming at us because he's more of an enforcer and then obviously you know he, we can play on the break and uh, it's it's not much of a you know problem having Whelan in so I was thinking does Whelan work for when teams are coming at us and he's not so uh effective when you know we have to break teams down but on the flip side there's that whole thing well it's you know it's a long game and they're going to be set up to defend and obviously with all the will in the world you can't defend for a full 90 minutes like the way they set up to do so the impact players Green and Hurahan have over the last season or so proved themselves to be impact players and they have got a, an end product. So his intention was obviously to see how it goes for the first hour, wear them down a bit and then uh, bring on the cavalry, which is probably what was in his mind, would you agree? I think so. I think we've said it numerous times, you know, this Villa side, you know, the current guys under, under Smith seems to have that extra gear they can go through, which fortunately they did in the game. It was because, um, as you said, in the first half, it was very sort of one-paced. It was very predictable. I think it suited the game suited Albion, and we played into their hands, especially yeah. once they got the goal. Yeah, that was that's it was a nightmare time to come as well. We actually started pretty well. The sort of the first five ten minutes, I think the atmosphere and the adrenaline was obviously pumping, and the, and they they looked to have started quite sharply. And I think as soon as Albion got themselves organised and set up, I think. They thought, oh, okay, actually, we can kind of shut the game down here. They'd obviously sort of negated McGinn and Grealish's threat a little bit. I think the only sort of shining light really for Villa in the out ball was always Al Ghazi, who'd, you know, get his head yeah. down and run, which was kind of what Villa needed against Albion, who aren't that quick, having that little injection of pace, which worked because, you know, we were never going to play through them, were we? You know, when you've got like, yeah. you know, a back five and a solid three in the middle, and you've got yeah. someone like Gale who can chase you along the back line, which he did all game, yeah. it becomes very difficult to sort of. You know, Albion would just let us have the ball at the back and just say, go on then. But as soon as they, we sort of got to the halfway line, 
then the press would come and we didn't yeah. seem to have a, a, you know, an answer for it. And they always had that option of having two up front and obviously both, you could class them as Premier League standard strikers, you know, Rodriguez and uh, Gale. They're good players. And I think probably the pivotal moment uh, was the Steer save, which, I mean, it, it looked like a goal. I mean, if it was a foot to Steer's left, it would have been a goal. And that's pretty much, you know, top bins for sure. But what was your reaction to that save uh, up the top of the whole? Because I was I was in the ropey lower as uh, Max called it. <laughs> no, that that was a class save. Uh, it's one one of the best I've seen down there. With every replay you see of it, it looks better. You know, when you see it live, it happens so quickly. You think, "Wow, yeah. that was a great save." But then you see the replays, especially the ones from sort of face on. You think, "Wow, he's you know he's really at full stretch there." It's you know, it's an amazing save, and could be a really pivotal moment in the tie. Yeah, it was a matter of centimeters, millimeters, even. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it was, it was, it was you know, tips, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a legitimate world save, you know, world class save. It's not like a you know Hollywood save. Saves always look better when they come off the bar as well. Yeah, whereas you know, of course, in the other goal was you know one Sam Johnson who kind of had his standard Villa Park performance really, where he had very little to do all game and still ended up yeah. getting two goals stuck past him. It kind of reminded <laughs> it kind of reminded me of last season. It's the story of his life, really. What isn't it? Yeah. Gets, gets to make. He, he literally probably, had so little to do at times. He made about three sli- slicing, slicing kicks out to the right. <laughs> he made about three saves in the whole season, but uh, managed to keep about uh, twelve clean sheets or something. His distribution was awful as well. Yeah, that's, that was always something about him. What, what do you think of Steer's distribution? While we're on the subject of Steer, because it seems to be better than anybody we've had yeah good. I, th- I think it's good um he can get a little bit touchy sometimes especially today it was like put he was put in a few difficult situations but i think he coped with it well he looks calm for someone who hasn't played a lot of football over the years yeah i think he's grown into it uh, i think i'm a real big fan of him now whether he's premier league class i'm not sure but we gotta worry about getting ourselves there first before we worry about uh whether he's good enough but yeah i'm a big fan having mings and Twanzabi in front of him you know he's always going to help and that because they're good ball players um, you know, he can actually play out from the back if he wants to. And they, they seem to be trusting enough that in, if they're in a tight situation, they can roll it back to yeah. him. And you know, he will he will clear his lines well. Yeah, I, th- I think I said on a previous show, I think the playoffs will be a good test for us as you know fans to actually see what Steer's all about, really, when it's like, you know, real pressure. And when it came to real pressure, uh, Whelan, <laughs> Whelan, it's a, it's a funny one. It's the, the revisionism on Whelan changes all the time. It, before he was... Uh, Everybody thought he was a you know old pile of shit, whatever. Then he's had the last what last fifteen games where he was you know legitimately very good, you know potentially some of the best form of his career. And then obviously uh, when it comes to this the big moment when the spotlight's on, uh, I mean it was there's no real excuse for that uh, mistake, was there really? It was. It, do you know what? It was the same just before the um, the steer save as well. We we had a couple of moments where we just played our way needlessly into trouble. Just by either, I don't know whether it was nerves or if we were just lax or switched off. Mings did it a few times. Um, Whelan did as well. They just they, they didn't have that neat and tidy as you've, you know we've used the phrase before, sort of snap, crackle, and pop about the way they were playing. Yeah. They didn't have that. You know, it was all a bit ragged. When as a team you're learning to play out, play from the back. You expect mistakes early doors. I remember. Uh, and if you've seen the, that Pep Guardiola documentary, 
where you know they go to when he first came in at Barcelona, and you know they're playing it out the back, and they and they you know they do essentially what Whelan do, you know, pass to the opposition and gift goals. But within that game, within you know within the game, the first few games under Pep, then you know there's mistakes there because they're they're practicing. But he tells them to keep doing it, and if you if you make a mistake, then you know it's all part of the learning process. But you're thinking, well, this is uh, a good chunk of games in. And uh, now we're uh, making mistakes in the playoff, you know, playoff semi-final. You, you'd have thought they'd have uh, kind of got up to speed for that. But I think when you play out the back, there's, you're going to concede a goal like that every every so often. It's just the kind of the nature of the beast. It was just sort of sloppy across the board. People were struggling out. I thought Mings, I mean, through the whole game, he wasn't his normal self. He's normally uh, a lot confident. Do you think it was just the way that because West Brom were sitting deep and were quite disciplined in... Uh, in their own half and how they were setting up, Mings didn't really have any options to play outside the play it from the back, and you know he's normally his, his diagonal ball and all that kind of stuff, and maybe that kind of frustrated him a little bit. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tough one with Mings. I think part is partly that, but it's, he, ju- he just had one of them days, didn't he? I think Gale is a good striker, and he did look really good against Mings. Yeah. I think one of the problems when you're tall is when you're playing a shorter player, especially when they're fast, it's hard to get a hard to get a grip of them, so to speak. Yeah, he just he just looked a little bit sloppy for me, but I think it's one of them games. Obviously, he's been fantastic since he's come in. Yeah, but it, he'll pick himself up. Yeah, yeah. As, as Max said, I think he, I think it, it was it was one of those days. Unfortunately, it was one of those days for a few too many of our key players, but we came through it. Yeah, but I think most of the struggle was because of Gale's niftiness, and he's. I mean, you saw it every he's time. A good player. He is a good player. You know, he works so hard, and, and he was winding Mings up every time they. You know, they clashed. He, you know, he was having a little little nudge here, a little nudge there. You know, if the ball was going out for a throw, and he, you know, nudged him just to basically let him know he was there. And obviously, that you know, that's part of Parcel. You know, he scored twenty, you know, twenty two, twenty three goals, and there's a reason. So I think you'll find a better Mings. Because in the second leg, because Gale's not going to be there. So, uh, I mean, we'll get on to the sending off later on. But uh, what was your feelings when we're 1 0 down and we're, you know, we, we, half time and then it got to like an hour? What was you actually thinking? I, I started to think actually, West Brom, the way they're playing here, are potentially good enough to get through, get through this. Because we didn't look like we were ever going to score the way it was. And then you could see them win in the playoffs. And, you know, I was having all these nightmare visions of them getting promoted, beating Leeds. I mean, did you uh, think too deeply uh, about the way it was going? And you're just thinking, oh, no, this is like Villa kind of screwing it up when we've actually got the best team we've had for a while. What was your darkest thoughts? It was, it was bloody frustrating. Do you know what? I wouldn't even go as far. It was up to the you know, 65, 70 minutes when we scored. It was more, I was thinking, you know, sort of just into first half stoppage time. We kept giving the yeah. ball away and giving them throw-ins and stuff and letting them put the ball into our box. And you just thought, God, if they get another corner here, you can see like, a second goal at that point looked yeah, inevitable. Yeah. And you just thought, just get to half time, get the team talking and turn it around in the second half, which to be fair to Smith, he's generally been quite good at. And second half, you kind of, had a feeling that oh maybe Albion will come out and you know have a bit of sort of belief and go for it and they just didn't. It was quite strange how uh, they just didn't seem particularly interested. Yeah, but look at look at Villa against Middlesbrough when we beat them one nil at their patch and then they come to Villa Park and you're thinking, oh, well, dreadful, we, wasn't it? I wish we're going to finish the job here, but I, we did pretty much what Albion were doing. Uh, you know, it was 
basically just shut up and trying to defend. And our focus was on keeping a clean sheet rather than uh, trying to you know score another goal or two goals, three goals to finish them off. Yeah, I think and the pe- first half today reminded me a bit of Blues at home when we beat them four two. It was they came here, they probably yeah. weren't coming to score goals, but they they nicked one. And the half time today reminded me again of Rotherham away when Mims yeah. had been sent off and they they'd one nil up and it was all a bit depressing. And but we did what we did against Rotherham and we came out and we did it. And to be fair, I think in the second half, a goal was coming. We were all over them, but we weren't necessarily yeah. creating clear cut chances, but we were having the possession in and around the box and it paid off. The pressure did pay off. But do you, do you have a different view of this team now? And because we've witnessed some miracle comebacks. I mean, yes, I do not know the stats, but I can't imagine any other team in this league has uh, got as many points from losing positions as Aston Villa have. So, but has that, is that in our blood now? Do we, when one nil down, do we actually feel that that's all right? You know, this this team uh, knows how to finish off the job. Do you do you feel that instinctively or confident in in that? I think I think what I would what I, I do think about this team is, and I think most, I think Albion are the only team to come to Villa Park and keep a clean sheet, which in itself is a you know fair play to yeah. them for that earlier in the year. But I yeah. always fancy this team to score. Because I always yeah. feel we'll make, we'll get a chance, and I think with Horahan on the field, you know, you had him, McGinn, and Grealish who can all deliver. You know, they're going to make a chance. It's whether we take it. The, the, you know, the manner in which we did it, you know, which we'll come on to shortly, was incredible. But it was always going to be either a moment of genius or a mistake. And really, actually, both goals kind of came from both those scenarios in the end. Max, when when would you? You have made those substitutes. I mean, some people around me were saying swap, swap, get get Hurahan on for uh, Whelan at half time. No, I think Smith made the right decision. I've, I probably wouldn't have done it at half time. I th- when when did it? Was it about the hour mark? So, yeah, they came on. He brought Green and Hurahan on at sixty five minutes. Yeah, for me that that's the right decision. I think at some points this year he might have left it too late, but I think that that was definitely the right time because it was when we were growing into the game a little bit more. And yeah. we, we needed those players to come on and make an impact, and they did. In terms of, uh, I mean, Horahan, I thought uh, his impact was obvious. But as I, as I, as I did I mention before the show, or was it after? I'll, I'll just say it anyway. Yeah, Horahan was, I mean, one of the problems, I mean, Grealish was instrumental uh, in the comeback as well. And everything was going through Grealish. And it, that's why it became a bit a bit predictable, I thought. He was getting the ball, but then suddenly there wasn't that much movement uh, around him. And there was no players. I mean, he, every time he got the ball, he was surrounded by three or four players if he was deep in uh, West Brom's half. But when Horahan came on, instead of being deeper like Whelan, he, he, he got closer to Grealish and they were, be able, you know, they, they were able to exchange passes and obviously create openings and uh, move West Brom around a bit more. Uh, Green, let's have a quick, uh, obviously Scott Hogan's retired for the season. Let's have a quick uh, Andre Green touch count meter. Max, how many touches did he get in 25 minutes? Ooh, I'm going to say eight. Chris Bird. Six. Ten. Wow. Yes. Max Stokes just can't lose this week. He's just winning everything. uh, (laughs) What a winner. He's just winning at life. He's, he's winning. Winning well everything. done, Andre Green. He's blowing Scotty Hogan out of the water. Another trophy for the cabinet for me. I've got some good news for you because Aston Villa 
in their prize where it lies, where they threw in that extra 10 grand because uh, it was the last uh, prize where it lies of the season. Uh, since nobody won it, and I must admit, that's there were three of the most feeble attempts I've ever seen. They knew full well. Terrible, weren't well, they? But anyway, they said, since we didn't get to give anybody this 10 grand, uh, they said, if you run a competition on this podcast, uh, just here's 10 grand to use as a prize. So uh, there you go, Max Stokes. I'll wire that into your account uh, after this uh, podcast finishes recording. Thank you very much. Spend it wisely. Will do. <laughs> so, describe to me, Max, the Carnahora hangar. Run VT. on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable look just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Like a knife through butter, wasn't it? Incredible. You could see Incredible. him screaming for you, couldn't you? I think Grealish was fanning about a bit in the perfectly, box. He wasn't was just it? waving his arms about like, yeah, he's wa- the ball. <laughs> he was waving both arms, wasn't he? It was, yeah. It's one of those moments that Tammy Abraham, it's caught him a few times, where Villa are breaking and Tammy Abraham will be waving his arms so furiously that when the ball does come to him he's off balance because he's been waving his hand so much <laughs> Insect but uh, <laughs> the praying mantis as we like to yeah call yeah that's the one but no hurahan uh composed himself instantly and uh, it was a it was an exquisite finish 
how many times have we seen Horahan go for them and it ends up in the upper hole? <laughs> and it's just so good to see this time. Because the way he cuts it. across the ball, it's a really hard ball to hit and he absolutely nails it as well. He flies yeah. in as soon as it left leaves his foot, you know it's in. Johnson didn't even dive. It was uh, it was such a... That's satisfying, no. the fact he didn't yeah. move. No keeper saving that in the world. No. And this is one of the, the frustrations is with Horahan... Because some games, I mean, he looked like the boss when he was on the pitch. He looked like I am on the pitch to dictate this game and, and change what's been happening. And he does look like a decent player. And he has, and he proved it even uh, earlier on in the season when he wasn't starting. He would come off the bench and, and have an impact, whether it's an assist or a goal. But, you know, proper end, end product. And you think, well, shouldn't he be playing all the time? And then sometimes earlier on in the season, games were passing him by a little bit and, you know, he kind of went invisible. But, for example, when we went uh, a man down against Rotherham, you're just thinking, well, obviously Dean Smith was thinking, uh, well, McGinn, Horahan, Grealish, when they're playing and they're fired up, four Rotherham midfielders aren't going to be a, a match for them. So, he, you know, he's got the quality when he's on song and, he, and he's got that danger in the final third. So why isn't he a 100% starter? It's a tough one. I think the last time he played Albion at home, he got booed off, didn't he? He's got a lot of stick. And personally, I've got no idea why. I think he... He got subbed by a teenager, didn't he? He got swapped in. Oh, yeah. It was Jacob Ramsey, wasn't it? Jacob Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't get the abuse with Horahan. I think he's a really, really good player. And hopefully we see him start on Tuesday. But I, I really like him. Do you think Smith will start him? Yeah, I'd start him, 100%. I think the team that finished may well be the team that starts. Who did you think was going to take the penalty? First of all, was it a penalty, did you think? Oh, I, th- I think it, it was. It was It was fairly similar to, um, you know, Tom Lawrence against against West Brom last game of the season. And there was talk yeah, about yeah, him yeah. getting banned, but he didn't. Yeah, yeah. And there was like a slight touch on his toe. But I think Gibbs didn't complain. Uh, Jimmy Shan, West Brom manager, didn't complain after the match. I think if you're going to go diving in like that against... Jack Grealish, it's it's always going to be a penalty, and it was. Yeah, yeah, I think you hit yeah, the nail just, on the it head. Just, it was just it was just foolish, wasn't it? In terms of there was no protest from the from the West Brom players. Yeah, so I think Gibbs, uh, I think Gibbs knew full well, didn't he? As soon as he'd gone to ground, he just thought, "Oh shit, I know what's coming now." Yeah. So who did you think was going to take the penalty straight away? Had to be Abraham. Was never yeah. in doubt. He grabbed the ball straight away, didn't he? Which is great. There was a couple of West Brom players giving him some real, I don't know what they were telling him. I'd be quite fascinated if they mic'd him up just to hear what the baggies players were saying to him uh, when they're obviously trying to put him off. Have fun at Chelsea next year. <laughs> well dispatched. And uh, then it was game over, I think, in terms of who was going to win that game because suddenly but the baggies were in a situation where they couldn't continue doing what they would do. Well, they they probably could actually because 2-1's not a ridiculously bad result, is it? I think there'll be some Albion fans in their end who would probably be reasonably content to kind of come away from Villa Park knowing actually we're still in the tie here because yeah. they were probably, you know, I think, I think we had about 10 minutes to go when the, the second went in. And then it was about seven minutes of injury time. So in yeah. 17 minutes, Villa would have probably fancied their chances. I think if we'd, the game had gone on for another five minutes, yeah. Villa would have got the third goal because it was only good. It was it was it was one way traffic, wasn't it? What did you think about the? Do you think there was enough urgency in terms of Villa trying to chase a third, or it, do you think it's kind of satisfactory? I don't, I don't know about urgency. There was there was clearly urgency. What I would say it was it was they were they were guilty of it. Kind of really all game was they had that lack of care in the final third you know they'd get into a good position you thought just take your time and whip it and you know and deliver a good ball and they kind of would they'd either overplay or they'd they'd kind of panic a bit and it was just a little bit just sort of haphazard and yeah, what sc- did you and, think again, it was just sort of scrappy yeah there was a, a 
little bit of a lack of sharpness there. But yeah, I think if anyone was going to get the, the fourth goal in that match, I think it was going to be Villa. I don't yeah. I think, yeah, as you said, West Brom would have been fairly happy with a 2-1, a 2-1 scoreline, the way that game was going. But yeah, I think both teams will be happy, kind of. So we didn't get the third goal in the end. I mean, we had, a, I think that sending off was as good as a third goal because if you could pick any of their players to be missing from uh, the second leg you would probably go for Dwight Gale would you not agree yeah I think he he was a rarity actually in the last few months at Villa Park a a forward who's given Mings a really hard time I thought yeah I think Mings didn't have a great game but I think Gale ran him ragged as well so you know he's the, the main threat for them and I think he's unlike the other options that they have in that he's actually got that burst of pace and you, you'd have noticed that the, any interview uh, after the game with Villa players, or they, they mentioned Dwight Gale. So they, you know, they, I think they're in inside quietly very happy about that. But Max, did you did you think it was a sending off? Because I mean, even in, you know, with claret and blue specs, I'm thinking it was a bit soft because he was just, you know, he made a genuine lunge for the ball. I think all game he was a walking, walking red card. I think the first yellow card, no debate, that's definitely a yellow card. He was doing it all game with the time wasting. But the second one, the lunge on Jed Steer, ah, oh, it's difficult. From the, I've seen a few angles of it from the Trinity roadside. It did look like it was a bit rash, but from a lot of other angles, I think ah, oh, that's a little bit soft. But it's a tough one. If I'm not being biased, I'd probably say it's not a red card, but. Quite frankly, I couldn't care less. But I think the referee warned him a few times. I think he, he, had, he got yeah. to the he got to the stage where it's like, yeah, one more, and you, and you get in the yellow. I can't believe they didn't take him off. Yeah, no, it's a I good, thought the whole situation point, was, just, was, just, a, was just a bit f- sort of foolish, really. You know, he'd you know he'd, he dropped to the deck in the second half a couple of times. He'd been wasting time with the throw-ins. He'd been given the warning. Then he'd absolutely leathered Grealish, hadn't he? Right on the touchline yeah. in front of the fourth official and Smith, who's clearly said something to the referee as well. That's his last, you know, he knows he's on his final warning. When the ball's going into the box, you've got to gamble. But at the same time, you must know that you're likely not going to get the ball. It's very rash. And he's similarly to the penalty, really. He's given the referee a decision to make. And that's pretty naive. 2-1, anything can still happen. But with him gone, it's like, uh, this is a good 2-1. Max, are you, were you were you a bit more warmer inside when Dwight Gale left the pitch? Yeah, definitely. I've heard a few people saying they'd rather Gale got sent off and we won two one rather than one three one and Gale be available for the second leg. And that, that's a tough one, but I, I'd I'd take that. I think it, it changes the the dynamic because it it will completely change their game plan. You know, Jay yeah. Rodriguez is you know tall, but he's not as mobile. I don't think they've got that mobile real sort of breakneck pace you know that can cause you problems in behind and I think if, if, if everything's in front of the likes of Twan and Mings they tend to dominate I mean it was celebrated pretty much as a third goal because if you know the baggies at the Hawthorns are a different proposition in in recent weeks uh, their home forms I think in the last six games their home forms been the best in the league uh, we, we were second obviously uh, we would have been top if it wasn't for that Norwich results but yes that it just felt like a third goal just because he caused Mings a lot of problems and he, he's a quality finisher. He knows how to finish and, you know, his stats back that up. And with him out of the picture, it's like, uh, well, actually now it's, it was looking 50-50, but now it's, it's, look, it's definitely swinging our favour and we're very much better off. I think if we'd have got the third goal, you'd have probably seen Albion have to chase the game a lot more than they actually have to do. I still think they're going to open up, which will probably play into Villa's hands a little bit. Well, they, yeah, they have to, yeah. But they certainly don't need to be gung-ho. You know, they don't have to sort of throw the kitchen sink at us from the word go like you know Liverpool did against Barca. So it'll be interesting to see how much 
Albion sort of go on there's the no away the goals because I think yeah and there's no away goals so I think Smith will certainly be going there going it might well be first goal wins and I think yeah. you know if Villa can get that first goal um, I think Villa's game management now under Smith is so much better that I think they'd be able to manage their way through the rest of the game yeah uh, just uh, before we go go on to what we think uh, is going to happen in the, the second leg uh, in terms of players uh, that had a good shift would you agree Taylor had a decent game Again, I think El Ghazi Again, yeah. had a decent game as well. McGinn was almost invisible at times. I, I had to like double check to see if he was on the pitch, which is uh, seems to be bizarre. Actually, he wasn't getting close to Grealish at all because normally they work quite well as a pair. And he wasn't spinning people, was he? He wasn't sort of getting the ball with his back to no. goal and doing that little stick his backside in some and turn. He wasn't. He didn't get to sort of carry the ball. I don't know if it was just the game didn't suit him and he needs space to play in. But he's, it wasn't his best performance. I thought yeah, Zabi was superb as well. I think he'll be better away on Tuesday because obviously they'll have to come at us and it'll create more space for us on the counter-attack. But I just think Grealish, he found himself out wide a little bit. I thought it was a bit bit weird. He needs to be in that hole. And there was there was a bit of a, a big gap between McGinn and Grealish and they need to get closer together. And there you go. Yeah. I think Grealish has started to move around a bit more in the second half just because he was he wanted to try to you know, essentially do something different because uh, he was getting swamped. But I was frustrated because it was like watching Villa from uh, like last season where there was there's a lack of movement, there's a lack of uh, willing runners or you know support. I don't know if it's because you know they just want to play cagey and keep their their shape in this first leg. I think this, the second leg obviously is going to come alight a lot more because you you have that sense of. Uh, the re- you know the result matters. I think so. So in terms of second leg vibes, what are you thinking? How do you see it playing out? My, my mindset hasn't really changed to be honest. I don't think much changes. I don't think Smiths will. I st- I, th- I still think he'll he'll go there to win the game. It isn't a case of let's go there and grind it out. He'll go there knowing that do you know what we can cause some problems. Let's get as on the I said foot, on foot. that's going to yeah, be the best form of defence. As I said on the last show, I felt that even if we were, if we lost the game one nil, we would still be in this tie because we would go to the Hawthorns, you know, to win this game because because I think because you know local derby, it's not the advantage of home advantage isn't as. Uh, defined as it you know should be in these kind of games but also Villa I think they don't I don't think Villa care if they play home and away I mean we saw it in the 10 10 game winning run it got to the stage where we didn't even think if we were home and away in terms of are we going to win this game we went to, into every game thinking we're going to win it and I think well, look how probably... dominant we were with 10 men you know Rotherham yeah. and Sheffield Wednesday I mean Sheffield Wednesday was probably the worst of the of that 10 winning run performance but the way we actually managed to grind it out and get the you know get on the front foot and make things happen um, you know the way we went to St Andrews in ultimately what I would say is probably a more hostile environment than we'll get at the Hawthorns anyway, yeah. and held our nerve and actually grew into the game and showed little bits of quality. Because that's the thing with this team. Ultimately, I, st- I always feel confident that we'll score. Yeah. And at this point in the tie, that could be so important. And the Albion will know that as well, I think. Going into the second leg and looking back at what's happened uh, in the Champions League, for example, how these games have been turned around. I mean, essentially, both games were turned around from 3-0 because Spurs were 3-0 down on aggregate at a stage. I had this thought that I'm kind of glad that Villa are taking a one-goal lead into the second leg. I mean, with the bonus of Gale being suspended because they will be focused and they will not be complacent they'll know this is not you know this is a very slender league to take into a second leg i'm kind of glad it's one over two because two that's where complacency sets in and we've seen so many times two goal leads vanish and recently three goal leads vanish because it's human nature you think well i think we're going to win this now and and you know you, you take your foot off the gas 
Yeah, I don't think Smith is the sort of manager to get complacent. I don't think he's the sort of manager to let his players get complacent either. Last year, it would have worried me a little bit more because we talked about going away, but Steve Bruce going away from home didn't have the best record in the world. But like we've already said, I think under Smith, it doesn't really matter. And I think if we get the first goal in the first half, maybe in this game, yeah. Again, don't want to get complacent, but it could ease the nerves a little bit. But we've still got to keep our heads, keep the focus, and all we need is a draw to get to Wembley. But if, if we get an early goal, getting the lead in any way possible, I think we'll be okay. Give me a score. Did we predict in the last show for this game that took place? I think I, I think I predicted we'd win the home leg 2 0 and we'd draw the away leg 1 0. That's right. I think. I said we'll beat them in both legs. Can't remember what Dan said. Score predictions for the return leg. It's a tough one because this game could flip any which way. Max, do you want to go first? Oh, originally, I probably would have said 1-1, but I've just had a vision. I'm going to change oh. it and go 2-1 Villa. I think with no Gale gives me more confidence. They're going to have to come at us and that probably will suit us. So yeah, 2-1, 4-2 yeah. on aggregate. Let's have it. I'll have a bit of that. I'm feeling that as well. I'm, I'm, as I, I'm sticking with my original, we're going to win both legs. And I think 2-1's probably a fair uh, fair go. We'll give, we'll give them a goal. Yeah, exactly. They're local and you know they're not as annoying as uh, the other lot. Fuck the Albion. Uh, sorry, what, uh, yeah, fuck the Albion. Uh, after the game, I, I biked back, biking down the canals. That's why I do it, because it's quite a nice. And it's completely, you go from 40, 40 plus thousand chaos. Once you slip off that onto that canal, nobody. It's like instantly peace, solitude, tranquility. But every so often from either side of uh, the canal, as I'm biking back towards the jewelry quarter and onwards, you hear, fuck the Albion, fuck the Albion. <laughs> Fuck the Albion! Fuck the Albion! It's funny you say that because we were talking about getting a, a Villa on tour canal boat to uh, uh, matches. Yeah, see you on the canal. That is exactly what I've been thinking as well. Let's do it. Party boat, get on, and then you you know, let's say you join the boat. Uh, what do you say? Half one, and then nah, we take it. 12, Twelve o'clock. Eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, man. Yeah, actually, that's a good. Yeah, do a little lap. Do you know how long it takes? Do you, know, do you know how long it takes to do those locks as well? Oh God! Should we should we look into this? Yeah, you can, that's what you can spend the the ten thousand pound cash. Exactly. You yeah, you can pretty much buy one for that. I think no, I can get one for there about 20, twenty. I think. Yeah. Paint it claret and blue. Happy days. Yeah, I've I've already wired that money to you, so. Uh, oh, I'll sort it out. You sort the boat out. I'll uh, I'll bring the drinks. <laughs> sort it. I'll just bring some tunes. Uh, well, not no house, please. Anyway, sorry, bud. How's how's your single game, bud? <laughs> it's all right, man. Plodding <laughs> along nicely. The next EP's out soon. Oh, that's the got that plug in. We'll get Dan Rogers to review it on the next show. Yeah, he didn't like the last one, did he? Mainly because Max like owned him. <laughs> so Dan was a bit bitter, I think. Well, do not get in the way of the irresistible force of uh, Max Stokes because uh, he'll just mow you into the dirt. Yep. Uh, that's why we're going into business on these uh, Villa party boats. I think it's uh, I think it's the way forward. Only problem is, is if away fans pick up on this and uh, they're waiting for us on the canal, so we'll probably have to get some. Uh, it's going to be like an armada. We'll have to arm up this party boat. Thought we're like cannons and stuff, like Har- an old harpoon guns. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, did any of you uh, catch the second tie, the Leeds versus Derby game? Yeah, I saw. I saw a bit of it. I saw the four-minute highlights. I was a bit disappointed, Derby. I thought they, uh... I thought they'd have a really good go, and they <clears> both <throat> see both sides didn't look 
great. Yeah, because I don't fan- I mean, Leeds have got a good home crowd. They're one of the rare beasts that have a decent home crowd. So I fancy- yeah, I don't, I don't fancy Derby. Uh, I don't fancy them going there and turning turning over. Yeah, because I think Leeds will score at home as well. I mean, Derby beat the Baggies at the Hawthorns convincingly, but I mean, I think that's a bit of a one-off. There's a reason why Leeds have uh, haven't had too many problems against Derby this season. So I think they're in. Uh, I think the Albion obviously still alive. Leeds looking good. Villa in the box seat, but I think Derby are going to. Uh, over the four teams, have their work cut out. A bit like last season, where they actually they beat Fulham, didn't they, at home? Yeah, the first leg. Yeah, so they haven't even done that against Leeds, so they're going to have problems there. Right. Okay. Well, with that said, that was just a reaction. We need. Uh, I think the normal show will will bring that back after the second leg. So you'll get all the... Uh, we'll, either, we'll either be in a great mood or absolutely depressed. Yeah, but it'll be a funny show. Uh, this one It will bit, be funny. This one, either way, it'll be funny, but this this show was a bit more sombre as we... Because uh, we're, we're still emotionally fragile. We, we haven't made We're it emotionally yet. drained after the first leg. Yeah, and we got various neck injuries. Uh, Max was strangled about six times. <laughs> it was awful. Oh my god! But the one, the one beauty of having a YouTube channel is he's got evidence of all these people that have assaulted him. So you'll be hearing from Max Stokes' lawyers uh, tomorrow morning. To be fair, <laughs> from the looks of it, he was a bit like temping bowling when we scored. He kind of just threw himself down the alleyway and hoped for the best. I wasn't even near the aisle. I was right in the middle of a row. I just threw myself. I was. I went down one row, and I was like, I might as well just go down about five here. Threw myself. But this, I mean, this, it's a debate for another. It's a date. It's a debate for another day, but it astounds me that uh, common sense hasn't come into play with ground safety when it comes to oh well, let's have like plastic seats. Yeah, plastic seats that are so low that as soon as that, uh, there's a moment of uh, excitement, as what they call is that the time that you can you're allowed to stand, you yeah. go ass over tits over these seats. It is dangerous. Well, just, or, rip, or, or rip your shins to shreds. And that is the word, dangerous. And uh, they haven't put two and two together. They have to, you know, go through all the bureaucracy and everything. And you just think, well, it, you know, people campaigning for safe standing may have like a bar barrier. You can actually have that barrier in the seat. So it's not as if you have to rip everything out. You can actually add it to existing seats now. There's, They've got them in the new Spurs ground, haven't they? Yeah, but but in terms of adapting how you've got the setup now, rather than ripping everything out and putting in safe standing seats, you're basically attaching a bar onto the back of the seat, so you have that safety bar, so you don't go arse over tits. And you know that has they've got to stop pissing around and get it in because uh, people are going to break legs and stuff, and Max Stokes would be suing them. <laughs> it was my own fault. Totally worth it. Oh yeah. Before we leave, I just want to say, uh, I, well, actually, I'll give uh, shout outs to the uh, new Mile Man Said patrons uh, in the next proper show. This is more of a reaction show. So uh, we'll do the shout outs then. If you want to support the show, please do become a, a Mile Man Said patron by going to milemansaid.com and clicking on the patron option. Also subscribe to the show if you listen on Apple or I- Stroke iTunes and also Spotify. And, you know, if you listen to it on other podcast uh, apps uh, just and you use Spotify, just subscribe on Spotify as well just to uh, get the numbers up. Make sure also that you subscribe to Villa on Tour, the biggest badass Villa YouTube channel Award-winning in existence. YouTube channel. Oh, <laughs> Award-winning, get that in there, in brackets. <laughs> award-winning uh, YouTube channel. You just basically go to YouTube and search Villa on Tour, don't you? And it, yeah, and it pops easy, up. Easy as that. Drop me a subscription. Cheers. And your face appears everywhere. Oh, also, 
shout out to uh, Ben, who uh, dropped me a line. Uh, one of the new My Old Man Said patrons. He will get a shout out in the in the next show. He was also bigging you up, Max, saying that. Uh, oh yeah. The only Villa channels, if we can call ourselves channels, is uh, ourselves. He said, "I also in brackets. I also love Villa on tour." And then has the cheek to uh, say, uh, "P.S. Any chance you can get me a Villa on tour sticker from Max?" Ben, message me, mate. I'll try and sort you out. Ben, I'm not Max's secretary, okay? <laughs> you are. You're my PA. He's your, he's your agent. He wants 20% for Let's every Let's get that straight. Yeah, because uh, I won't be a secretary. I'll be an agent. I'll be the sticker agent. And uh, 25%, I'm saying, Chris. Forget about 20 <laughs> Anyway, until we are cruising on the canals of Birmingham on the Aston Villa, Villa on tour, my old man said, party boat on our way to Premier League fixtures. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man said. Jack, the Villa comeback kings do it again. Where do you keep dragging it up from? Um, I don't know, you know. Uh, like I've said in a few uh, interviews before, and uh, I said it the other day to the manager, I said, just every time we come onto the pitch, you know, I look at the players around me and I just think we're going to win. Even if we go a goal down, a man down, I always think we're going to win. are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.